Talk about nailing your toxic wine-based exploding hobo. You're still listening. This is our final transmission. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. How about you? Tip top, my old friend. I'm killing it over here. Having a wonderful day. How's your How's your life? It's good. I've just taken a big old swig of some Tenafly Viper. So any minute now, I'll be melting into a big, lovely neon pot of goo. That's some spicy stuff. You gotta go easy on the grandpa's old cough syrup. What color would you be if you melted? Do you think? Um, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question and one that I was not expecting. I think you'd either be the color of that beautiful guitar behind you or your hat. Yeah, so we're talking either a burnt orange or a light forest green. Yeah. So what we're we talking about today, Sammy? Today. We're talking about the 1987 Grindhouse flick, Street Trash, uh, directed by J. Michael Moreau, according to his uh, IMDb page, affectionately referred to as Jim Moreau. Yep. Uh, This is a film that is going to be polarizing for our audience, (laughs) to say the least. This, This film is exactly everything that I want in a film. It's your dream movie, like, Made Flesh. Like, kind of. Because it's like, I mean, we'll get into it, obviously, but it's like trauma mindset shot by people that kind of know what they're fucking doing mm-hmm. um, with, like, some some nous about them and some a bit, a bit more self-awareness that manifests itself in a way that isn't quite as goofy as a trauma. Although yeah, there's, it's like, there's a lot of goofiness in here, obviously, but... It's pretty cynical goofiness yeah. a lot of the time, which, you know, I rate fairly highly. It's grimy, it's weird, it's out of place and out of step with almost everything that's happening at the time. It's a rough hang in terms of whether or not you feel like you have permission to enjoy it sometimes. <laughs> but for the most part, it does a really fucking good job of doing exactly what it sets out to do, which is gross you out... Uh, make you laugh and freak you out. So let's talk about street trash. Okay, let's do that. Well, why don't we take a break? But you'd never let me off the hook. We'll come back and you can synopsize the fuck out of street trash. All right, see you in a minute. See you in a sec. Will you give it up, man? Nobody's out there. We're alone. Oh, no, there's somebody out there. I'm picking up all this crosstalk. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Sam. A little Robin told me that you've got something special out for Christmas. Is that true? A little red-breasted, loose-lipped Robin has been talking to you. Yeah. It flew in my window, landed on my shoulder, and said, Sam's released a special Christmas uh, record, 7-inch, with some amazing artwork and two great, great songs on it. That's good work from the Robin uh, not paying that Robin enough yes <laughs> I put out a 7 inch this festive season uh, it's out on Red Scare Industries it's called Mistletoe Pier and it has two very Christmassy holiday themed festive jams 
uh, for your listening pleasure. You can pick it up uh, in the UK on my web store. You can pick it up from redscare.net. You can get it on Bandcamp for two bucks and you can stream it everywhere you stream music. It's seasonally appropriate. It's wonderful. You'd probably still enjoy it in March, but yeah. get on it now. I mean, the only thing that makes it a Christmas song is saying Christmas in the first line. Uh, the rest of it is just my usual, you know, misery. So if you enjoy misery, get stuck in. Is Mistletoe Pier a real place? No, absolutely not. The songs were written uh, and inspired by Chroma Pier, okay. uh, which is less romantic sounding. Yeah, so it's a fiction. I've been lied to once again by fucking Sam Russo. My gift to you this festive season, a whole pack of lies. Uh, enjoy yourself. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And um, yeah, listen to it. It's really good. It's really, really good. Thanks. And back to the show. All right, we're back. We are let's back. Talk, uh, let's talk plots, synopsises, and stuff. So Street Trash is a movie that does that wonderful thing where it doesn't nail itself too hard to a series of events that you could characterize as a plot. But the gist is that uh, a liquor store owner finds uh, kind of a crate of very old liquor that has some adverse effects on people who drink it. And it's distributed among the homeless population of a grimy, dirty, horrible area of a city, an unnamed city. I mean, it's, it's New York, right? It's got to be New York, yeah. I mean, it, is, it, New York. it definitely is New York. So they shot it in Brooklyn for the most part, and then some of like the internal stuff was shot in their film offices in in uh, in Manhattan. Okay, so the central tension of Street Trash is that this booze is in circulation, and the characters that we follow around are uh, various. And we're going to I'm going to use the phrase bums because that's the phrase used in the movie. And that's the the kind of characters that they are. So we got Fred, we got Bronson, who runs the gang of uh, tough homeless maniacs in the junkyard, uh, and then we've got a, a coast of other, a, a host of other characters who kind of flood the screen and disappear at various points throughout the movie. Some hilarious, some tragic, uh, but throughout the movie they do some terrible things to some people, and some of them explode. So that's. <laughs> That's the best summary I got. Yeah, I think that's that that about encapsulates it, right? It's nothing really happens, but loads of stuff happens. There's no there's no linear plot to speak of. It's almost like a link later sort of day in the life picture, but the day happens to be the day that they all drink booze that makes you rot to death instantly. Yeah, I think a link later reference here is generous, but uh, <laughs> we'll roll with it. I think it's worth saying in advance, this isn't a compassionate portrayal of homeless people in New York. Uh, we're using the word bums because that's how they're portrayed. They're portrayed as almost caricatures um, for yeah. laughs, basically. So it's it's amazingly lowbrow cinema from the very beginning. And speaking of the very beginning, what's the first thing that you noticed about this film when you... I don't know if you can remember when you first watched it, but maybe on your rewatch or at any point, did anything leap out at you very early in this film? I mean, the, the first thing that leaps out at me is how fucking great it looks. Yeah. Like, on my original watch through, uh, like, rewatch for the podcast, my first note that I wrote down was any shot that doesn't have a person in it looks amazing. Yeah, it's unreasonably well shot. But then, like, on my second pass through this afternoon, I... I I think the the people stuff also looks great. So so Jim Murrow, 
basically was going to film school around this time. Um, mm. Roy Frumkey's, who wrote this, was his one of his lecturers. Okay. He's also um, a zombie that gets a pie in the face in Dawn of the Dead. Excellent. Jim Murrow had a Steadicam rack, and so everyone wanted to work with him. Okay. That's how this film basically comes about, is that he had a Steadicam rack, and everyone was like, let's... Let's be friends in film school. Did they know, were they affiliated with a practical effects whiz of some kind? Because this movie leans quite heavily on, you know, the marketing for this movie is all practical effects. Well, so no. So the the main practical effects bod on this film is Freddy, is the guy that plays Freddy, who is just another guy in their film film class. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was never really... It's weird because it it feels like something that just sort of happened, a film that just sort of fell out of a camera. Mm -hmm. But, like, they slaved over this for months. There was, like, a a couple of months of pre-production where they did intense blocking, uh, set building on location. They built some other sets, uh, like, in their offices and stuff. Yeah, they basically storyboarded everything out. And then they had a three-month shooting period as well where they did quite a lot of improvisation on on set. So, like, this film feels like an accident. Like, it shouldn't exist. Like, I I guess because of, like, the subject matter, it sort of feels like a kind kind of frivolous. But they fucking worked really hard to make this the best thing that they could make Mm. at that point in their lives and careers on a budget of, I think, half a million. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it looks amazing. The, the 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 first thing that jumps out to me is just the skylines. Like in in one of the making of documentaries that I saw a few years ago, there's like they show the the raw footage and then how it was graded to like how it looks on the DVD or whatever it was that I had. I think it was an Arrow DVD. Right. Load of work after the fact to make it look amazing as well. Like it looks, it just looks so good. Yeah. My my first thing that I noticed, similar to you, is uh, a bum farts really early on, early on in the movie, and you don't often see that in movies. Yeah, well, actually, the the bum doesn't fart. It's uh, a guy. Freddie gets farted on by a guy that works in a bodega. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a really early fart, just to set the tone. Yeah. Yep. Like the the tone is set right from that fart, and the, yep. I mean the tone is all over the fucking place. It does not have the slightest idea how it wants the viewer to feel, I don't think. And after about 20 minutes of just being battered around like that, I started to get the impression they didn't care. Yeah. I started to get the impression that it was like, here's all the shit that we want to do. We're not going to get bogged down with any moral conscience nonsense. We're not going to, you know, kowtow to any kind of political correctness. We're not going to do anything that you expect us to. We're just going to show you the movie that we have in our heads and we don't give a fuck what you think of it. Yeah. I think that's... That they wanted it to feel anarchic, and like mm-hmm. it feels like a trauma movie, but it feels like I don't know. There's there's something about trauma movies that don't feel like real movies. Maybe they did right. it in the eighties, but less so as we sort of move through the nineties into the two thousands. And this this does feel like a real movie. It's it's worth saying that obviously this is categorized as, as a melt movie, and right. that there are two melts fairly early on. And then there's there's a there's a big gap three melts if you count the business guy, and then there's a big a big big gap 
and then more melting at the end. Yeah, I would go as far as to say not enough melts. Doesn't Roy Frumkey's play that melted businessman as well? He yeah. plays the guy who gets yeah. So you're right. Early on, this movie sets its stall out that fucking bums are gonna melt. And then we don't get a lot of bum melting for a while. No. Which is an interesting choice, especially when you, you talk about how deliberately this was storyboarded and how it was, you know, pretty rigorously blocked, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe it's a you know, a stylistic choice to make you want more. Aesthetically, I love a lot of the grimy street scenes and the the graffiti and the the junkyard. Everything looks great really early on. You know that you're seeing like some pretty authentic urban decay backdrops. I can't stand how Fred looks in this movie. He just looks wrong to me. What do you think of his costume and him as a character? Like he looks like an oldie timey eating beans on the back of a train hobo. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, but he doesn't act like that at all. He looks like a fucking Brooklyn hipster. Yeah. Like, it, it, it doesn't come off well. He looks wrong. The hat just annoyed me. I couldn't get down with this character from the beginning. I was kind of hoping he'd melt. Spoiler, he doesn't melt. He doesn't melt. Uh, <laughs> and he sucks. Like, he's, in my opinion, the worst bum. I mean, I think Bronson is the worst bum, but... Bronson has a fucking excuse. Bronson at least has like a backstory. So Bronson is the king of the bums and he is a hyper-violent Vietnam veteran guy who roams around with a sharpened thigh bone in a fucking holster (laughs) killing people for fun because he's, you know, we're sort of led to believe by the movie he's suffering like horrendous Vietnam flashbacks and obviously PTSD out of his mind. Um, So he has like a motivation and a reason to be that way. I know that we get this bit of family background with Fred and his brother but Fred's just a dick to everyone I think by the way I'm not saying like it's a bad performance or anything like that I'm saying his character is such a fuck that it's really hard to follow him as a protagonist yeah I think that's the point I think this movie do you know like when you're oh okay maybe not your my parents would say something horrible and racist when I was a kid and I'd be like that's racist they'd be like yeah I'm not a racist. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think this film hates everybody. Yeah, it's really nasty in that regard. It's not. I don't get the feeling it's out to offend everybody. I get the feeling it just doesn't give a fuck that it is being really offensive. And it's one of those like, if you're offended, it's your problem. Movies, which I'm completely fine with. Yeah, I think movies like this have a place, and its place is on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think Fred, yeah, Fred, he's not put there to be a likable protagonist with an arc of any kind. He is put there to emotionally manipulate you into trying to, you want to root for someone and you're always rooting for the wrong person the whole way through and they always turn around and do something fucking unforgivable three seconds after you've started liking them. And that's a pretty rewarding experience for a viewer. It fucks with you from from the get-go. The only only sympathetic character in the entire movie is uh, Fred's brother, Kevin? Is his name Kevin? Yeah, I mean, if you sympathise with that kind of character, sure. But I think he fucking sucks as well. well <laughs> so like, he commits the only offence that a movie like this can can commit, and he's boring. I think Bert is a really likeable character. Which one's Bert? Bert's like Fred's best mate. He has the great scene where he robs the convenience store. Yeah, that's Bert. I love- Bert doesn't really put a foot wrong, does he? I mean, he says a few, he makes a few uh, remarks here and there, but... He's uh he's cool. He's fun to hang with. He's good to be around. Yeah. Bert's a, a party guy. He's got a gas mask that he just wears all the time. 
Yeah, just loves razzing around in a gas mask. He's a great shoplifter. He puts about 300 fucking full-size chickens in his pants and tries to just bowl out the shop. He, he, He's got some great lines. He does bowl He's out the shop. He literally bowls through the glass plate window. Some, <laughs> walks through the fucking door with a bag over his head. Great scene. Way too long. No reason for it to be there, but great. Enjoyed every second. Yeah. That's the Linklater thing, though, right? It's like, it's a day in the life of a bunch of melting hobos. <laughs> Yes, give me more. Definitely. We get this early fart. We get a sort of cat and mouse scenario with Fred being chased for some money and some booze. And it's like bums robbing bums. And he jumps in the back of a truck and it's all very grimy. And it's like, you know, the the costume design and the makeup and everything is just pure filth, right? They've just got black shit smeared all over their faces. It looks a bit too like fresh out the coal mine for me. It's a bit over the top. But when you see how they're living, and the movie tries to kind of walk you through their lives, you understand that nobody here is trying to find a fucking shower or like a shelter. Yeah, there's that one scene where the police threaten and ultimately shower that one guy. Yeah. Um, And I I read that because it gets so cold, the the, the dirt keeps you warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And just like, yeah, layers of filth in your clothes caking to your skin and everything else, yeah. Bleak as fuck. Yeah, I would love to... No, I would hate to be homeless in New York. Unhoused, fully on the streets in New York. Like, that just is the worst. I'd rather melt. I'd rather melt. I'd rather melt into a toilet. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, a fucking rough old ride. And that's why you feel so uncomfortable enjoying the, you know, just the fucking peril of these people like half these guys i want to die really quickly and really soon and it doesn't make you feel great (laughs) it's not it's not setting out to make you it's not a hallmark movie no and it's like i think there is a a a vast difference between wanting these bums to die and accepting the challenging lives of real unhoused people like they're not the same thing these no despite the fact that some of them are very good at like portraying homeless people. The um, mm. the the woman like uh, what what's uh, Bronson's woman? Wynette. Yeah, I believe she's called Wynette, as in like oh Wynette, Wino, but she's a woman. Got you. Very clever. Yeah, uh, her, and then the the guy that melts second. He's got like the 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 wide set teeth. Who's he's superb? Who's got basically a Pacino performance? It's amazing. I love I love that guy. He slays it, yeah. But, like, you really could believe that they had cast real homeless people from around this car impound lot or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, it feels semi-exploitative. They're so good at it. Yeah, but they're, they're, yeah. they're just real actors. Yeah. The woman that plays the Wynette, for example, is like a avant-garde theatre person. I mean, you can tell. it's You know, her performance is almost fucking Lynchian in its, you know, mania. Some great performances, some some almost, you know, human performances here and there. <laughs> well, so I think all the performances are good. They're just in different movies. Yeah, they're all they're all acting in a, on a fucking vacuum. Like, yeah. it's a very, very bizarre way to, to watch characters interact. It feels like they're all shot in isolation somehow. This is probably a lack of uh, experience direction, I imagine. I mean, who the fuck am I to criticise? But it feels like nobody is given... Uh, like a unified plane to access. Everyone is like, right, you're nasty and you're mean and you're fucked up. 
but they but they they forget to tell them to be funny as well. And then the next guy, they tell them to be funny but nasty, mean, and fucked up. Yeah. And it's like everyone brings something slightly different that's really jarring and doesn't quite fit together as as a you know like like a puzzle. It fits together like a fucking Picasso. It's it's pure chaos. Yeah, it just adds but to it, that weird anarchic feeling of the film. Is just like the the different performances that are happening. It's it's almost like that Italian thing of like hero. 10 actors that are acting in their own language at their own level. Yep. And it's just like, we'll just show it together. We'll, 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 we'll fix it in the edit. Yeah, or we won't, and we'll just have something that feels really jarring and nasty mm. and be fine with it. And that's that's the thing. Like The problem I have as a, a viewer watching this for fun is that it's ultimately rewarding, again, if you can let yourself enjoy that chaos. If you can't and you're looking for a rewarding character arc of some kind or, a, a you know, a fulfilling plot or you know something to happen in this movie that isn't awful then you're really only going to enjoy the last scene uh everything else is you know low simmering menace and bad things happening to people <laughs> which i lent into fully and fucking loved every second of do you want to talk about the first melting so the first melting is iconic and amazing what's his name bobby or something steals the uh the Tenafly viper out of Freddy's pocket, mm-hmm. under the by breathing on him, he his breath is so bad. Like Freddy can fucking talk, but his breath yeah. is so bad that it makes Freddy look away for long enough for him to steal his hooch. And this is poorly, right? Poorly, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's talking about how he hasn't been able to shit for a bunch of days. Yeah, Freddy advises him to mix raisins in with his hooch. <laughs> Mix raisins in with your wine. Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, I bet that's great. It's a genius tip. It's basically bound to loosen you up, right? Basically mulled wine. <laughs> yeah, close. Um, and so then uh, Paulie goes off to this this set that they built on location, which is a smashed up building. He walks through a door that says ladies on it, and then it sort yeah. of pulls back and you realise that there are no walls. It's one of the funniest shots in the movie. It's great. I loved it. Real slapstick. Bricks fall off when he shuts the door. It's great. Yeah. Um, and so he takes a seat on the toilet um, and he takes a couple of swigs of Tenafly Viper and he melts all blue like. It starts immediately. I would love to understand the internal logic of Tenafly Viper and why, why it makes people melt. I thought about that because I thought some people start melting like basically from the mouth as soon as it touches them. Some people, they clutch their esophagus. Some people, it goes to their belly. I think it's all to do with your like boss level of bumness, like how hardcore you are. I think that's where you melt from. The more hardcore you are, the more of it you manage to get down. And the more of a lightweight you are, the more you start to feel it higher up in your body. Yeah, well, I don't know because the... the the only person that we see survive for a, for a bit is oh, yeah. is the uh, the guy that runs the liquor sh- liquor store. Yeah, true. Because he well, Bronson gets it splashed on his skin, doesn't he? So he doesn't really count. Yeah, but yeah. So I think his name's Ed. He drinks it in the liquor store, and he sort of melts quite a lot. But then yeah. you see a little person in his clothes, covered in goo, crawling away at the end. Yeah, which is incredibly cool. Yeah. 
the this melting though the thing that got me i mean it's fucking great from start to finish like you said it is totally iconic but the choice of blue is awesome yeah you're not expecting that blue goo you're not expecting his like limbs to separate with like this ragged blue jelly blue makes it so uh otherworldly and strange it's it's a really fun choice I, d- I don't know what the the reasoning behind that was besides this is a cool thing that people don't tend to do yeah they, they obviously weren't remotely bothered about appeasing any sort of sensor organization sure because of all the rape yeah I think they just thought this is cool. So then also they they have like a color scheme for each individual melting. Yeah. So Paulie melts blue. The next guy melts yellow. Mm-hmm. The guy explodes. He just sort of explodes. Yeah. There's there's like a mixture of colors in there, which is fun. Yeah. There's someone else that melts purple. But yeah, I just I would love to know the internal logic. So it's meant to be sixty year old fortified wine mm-hmm. um, and there's also an allusion to them pulling it off sale for some reason obviously that's all you need in order to be like yeah, it makes you melt <laughs> yes why are you asking me a question just, but they're melting what do you care how you just just enjoy i think a lot of people default to the fact that it's like irradiated somehow there's some kind of like radiation thing happening but like you said i don't give a fuck they drink it they melt and it's awesome yeah at that first melting scene, everything about it is brilliant. I love that he becomes this like rubber goo monster in the toilet. It's it's so eighties, it's almost unbearable. It's like you desperately want a toy of that moment. Yeah, it's so eighties. Yeah, the the colors are great. The, the the performance is great as well. You got to later on in the movie, we see some slightly less convincing melt acting. His melt acting is superb. It can't be easy to do that. Yeah, who who are you not into? Uh, well, the, the the bum that explodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only good bit about that is him exploding. All of his, like, weird... Convulsing. ...burping stuff is... Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just badly dubbed more than anything. It, it doesn't feel... feels like it could have been better. Or maybe I'm being hypercritical, but I want these melting scenes to be absolutely top tier because the effects are so good. And if the, if the actor just doesn't quite nail it, I'm always just a bit aware that it's an effect rather than part of the movie yeah. or like a thing that's happening. I think in terms of the effects, they very much look like effects. All, yeah. Almost all of them, apart from maybe that first one until the head sort of is trying to come back out of the toilet at the end. Yeah. everything You can sort of see how, how they do it. They always seem to be against a wall or leaning on mm-hmm. a car or whatever. But I think that's part of the fun. Knowing how they do it is all part of the fun. Yeah, I love that. There's the the scene where the guy melts against the wall, like you said, you're immediately aware, oh, he's against the wall because it's something to do with the effect. And then you see the spray coming out and you're like, oh, they're spraying it through the wall. That's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. It doesn't take away from what you're seeing as part of the movie. It just makes you think in more layers about how fucking rad that effect is. Like, that's genius to do that. Yeah. Well played. I love that shit. It's like when Wynette is leaning against the car and like all of a sudden yeah. she's just like spraying neon goo out of her nipples. Like Yeah. It's superb. Oh. It's it's really inventive. It's it's reveling in the absurdity and the fun of melting bums. And they do it in, in really clever ways. They're not phoning it in. They're focusing a lot of time and energy on making these melts fun, exciting, and visually fucking like you, I mean, iconic is the only word, really. I, there'll be no other melting for a long time 
that sticks in my mind the way these guys melt. Yeah, gals. there are a couple of other melt movies that that almost capture the joy of the melts in this movie, uh, yeah. which is like Body Melt is one, um, which has Harold. Not just a clever name. Yeah, has Harold Bishop from Neighbours in it. Oh God! There's one called Slime City. Okay, which I think some of the the crew involved in this one are involved in that one. Right. And that's that's really about it for a long time. Yeah. Obviously, there's that scene at the end of Robocop. This is it, though. Like, slime goo and ooze movies, where they intersect with melt movies, there's a you know there's a lot of debate about what, what makes it a melt movie, I guess. And that guy in Robocop is melting, right? That's, yeah. That, that's a melt. And he's, he's doing a great job. It's one of the best melty boys ever. Right, like, this, this movie is ultimately six of those interspersed with... Hobos drinking and, and, and occasionally gang raping somebody. Yeah, and if that's your pitch to a studio, good luck, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but the the trick here is there is no, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, there seems to be no pacing with these melts. They just happen when they happen. Yeah. I don't think there's an enormous amount of thought in this. It's not like, oh, yeah, we'll leave them begging for the next melt it's like let's have 20 minutes of total bullshit and then a melt <laughs> yeah well i i was thinking a lot about this and i was like but i don't get bored no well this is the thing i've got a little bit to talk about later on with the way this movie escalates from one thing to the next and i think they're paying a lot more attention to how hard they can up 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 the depravity before they get to the next melt so maybe that's conscious i don't know but it fucking escalates hard later in this film yeah yeah i i think it, it escalates sort of beautifully and i i really enjoy the sort of the cop subplot mostly because mm-hmm. it ends in him dying but i really i really rate this cop this actor whose name i can't remember right now it's something chapel bob chapel Oh, Bobby. We're talking about uh, the character whose name is... He has a really funny name, doesn't he? He's like Bill the Cop. Yeah, Bill Chappell, Bill the Cop. I really rate him as, as an actor. Like, there's mm. there's no reason why he couldn't have been, like, Fifth Banana in a Brian Dennehy, like, one of our own type cop movies, or, like, sure. headlining, like, a Ted Pryor, like, bullshit Z-list cop movie. Like, it's it's insane to me that he doesn't act again. Yeah, no career, and is an ex-cop. Yeah. So maybe just was an ex-cop who did an act for fun and then fucked it off. I just don't, I don't understand why you would do that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, there is potential there, I think, in him as as a character actor. He doesn't really have the look, as far as I'm concerned. Like, guys who fill that role of, like, the dirty cop or the tough cop or the crooked cop, like, they have a really strong presence and look and he i don't know he just doesn't quite get there for me but that's totally personal preference and and cop taste is you know he looks kind of like in evil dead when that dude's got the hair in his mouth yeah <laughs> like that's what he looks yeah, like he does i think he looks like a completely fucked up fresh out of rehab kevin costner he's just got a really gnarly face hasn't he like not gnarly enough for me a bit too a bit too bland for for my facial taste but his performance in this, he delivers some some great lines with serious gusto. He's fucking huge. He's enormous in stature. Yeah. And uh, physically good in the fight scenes. You know, obviously like a, 
a real scrapper, I would say. Yeah. And he, he definitely brings something this movie desperately needs, which is some kind of coherent human narrative. So he has a task that he performs. He has a motivation that he follows. And when he's in a scene, he has a purpose. And I think that's really important for the film. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think he's just great. When he dies, it's a little bit like, oh shit, what's going to happen now? Yeah, I was not expecting him to just be dead on the floor. But, alas, killed by Bronson. Bronson does some kills. He kills very early in the movie, puts a guy through the windscreen of his own car. Yeah, that's. I, I find that scene really funny. Yeah, it is funny. Because he's talking... It's really well done. Like, the nerdy guy, Weekend Warrior guy, is in the car talking to this homeless Vietnam vet. And he's like, yeah. I got to shoot one of the guns that you had in Vietnam. That was fun. <laughs> he is not on that guy's level. <laughs> no, he is not. And his girlfriend is freaking the fuck out, saying things like, he's touching the car. <laughs> like, so, so deserving of being put through that windscreen. Absolutely. And, yeah, pretty rewarding comeuppance there. And, but that's the instigating moment, I guess, that gets Bronson back on the radar of the cops and gets them sniffing around the junkyard and gets the cops fucking with his shit, basically, and starts putting him in a, a spot where he's backed into a corner, which ultimately resolves in his rampage. Bronson has at least like some motivation and, and uh, something that resembles a bit of a backstory. So he and Bill the Copper are pretty good together. You know, they're at odds. You feel a real genuine tension and one pursuing the other. It feels legit. Yeah, they, they, they do almost have like a, like two sides of the same coin sort of feel as well. They both suck. They're both mean. They both beat people up all the time and treat people like garbage. They're, you want to see them duke it out, right? Yeah. You do. And like, one of the things that I really like in this is that the Foley is really clever. So in those those fight scenes, at least, like those punches feel like they land. Yeah. I mean, I I put that down to like pretty decent combat choreography, but you're right. That that doesn't work without good Foley. Yeah. Yeah. And and a good punch sound is, you know, you can cruise an entire movie on decent combat sounds right if, it, if you get it wrong it completely falls apart if you get it right you totally believe it's a real fight yeah there's like there's the fight where he's fighting like one of uh nick duran's goombas yeah who he kills you allowed to do that as a cop i don't think you are he doesn't do anything that he's supposed to as a cop <laughs> he is police brutality incarnate is it procedure to after you've killed a gangster to put your fingers down your throat and vomit on their dead face. <laughs> that was inspired. It just shows you how fucking low this guy is. And the sick itself, it looks like he has some internal bleeding. It looks like a fistful of raw mints with like fucking clots of blood and shit in it. It's it's the worst vomit I've ever seen in a film. Yeah. And by worst, I'd probably mean best. Like... That is such a disgusting scene. Kicks fuck out the guy who looks like he's in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones in a toilet, <laughs> face down in the urinal where he's just been pissing and then just fucking six on his head. Yeah, I mean, that's an escalation, isn't it? That was part of my escalation notes, yeah. And I, I have a lot of respect for that as a plot move because it's so depraved, you'd have to be a special kind of guy to think of that. Yeah. What's he going to do to the body? Kick, oh, you know, a kick in the ribs. We've seen that. Piss on him. Ooh, we've seen that. Sick on his head. Haven't seen that much. 
Yeah, I mean, we do. Obviously, Bronson pisses on uh, the cop when he dies. And that, yeah. is that, does that feel like a step backwards to you then? No, I like it because he's whistling like the national anthem or something when he does it, which is just inspired. Like, it's so cool. It's definitely a callback. I think it works because he's strutting while he does it, like a walking piss while he whistles. It's yeah. just fucking great. I thought, is it not the song that they play at like military funerals? Like the... Uh, that one. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Amazing. The last post or something? Is that yeah, yeah. Fucking even better. Yeah, love that shit. Love the different ways that these characters articulate their disrespect for the whoever the opposing party is. It just... It feels quintessentially filthy New York, just blanket disrespect of all humanity. But then to to puke on someone's head after you've killed them is fucking great. It's so good. The thing with stuff like that is normally I think it, it reads great on the page, but it's they pull the punch or it doesn't it doesn't look as good as it could or whatever. But this is perfect. He fucking sells it. It's a one finger down the throat, sloppy, bilious, pink sick on a guy's head. Nailed it. No notes. Yeah. Can we address the really, really horrible elephant at the centre of this movie? Yep, there's a horrendous gang rape scene. Well, actually, yes, the whole thing is horrendous, but we don't actually see the gang rape. Yeah. So let's let's break it down. Fred finds a drunk woman in the street uh, outside a relatively decent-looking like hotel bar. Yeah. She thinks he's her boyfriend. Yeah, she's... In the movie, we're led to believe she's so hammered that she thinks Fred is her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is a well-dressed, probably smells kind of good, mafia boss. And Fred <laughs> looks like fucking Bob Dylan in the dark days. Yeah. And we know he stinks of shit and he's, he's, he's foul. Yeah, like so, Fred looks like a scarecrow that <laughs> came, came to life when a magic bird shat on him. <laughs> he really fucking does and yeah so she's so hammered that she thinks fred is this mafia guy and for, for a split second we think oh fred's gonna fred's gonna help her home or send her back into the bar nope he's gonna fucking lead her back to the junkyard and fuck her in front of all his bum friends and that's what he does and that's a huge part of why fred sucks but the whole scene so one thing to note, when they're heading back to the junkyard, the junkyard looks amazing. Yeah. It's really well framed. The shots are all beautiful. There's loads of smoke, light blasting out from inside their little tire house. It's fucking cool. But while Fred is fucking this drunk lady, all of the bums are like creeping out of their hovels towards the tire pile to watch through the holes and they're licking their lips and they're behaving like animals and it's it's all beginning to feel like, on first viewing, Fred's not going to be alone in there for very long. And what happens is Fred actually finishes and leaves, and then in come the bums. Yeah, and they drag her away. Oh, it's yes. so it's so gross. The way that they like gather through the smoke and the blue light in between like the the car carcasses and the tires and stuff. It just it feels so icky, and it feels like it's from a different movie. Yeah, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit with what we've 
where we've been with yeah. these characters so far. There's nothing fun like about it. They would do. No, it's not fun. Because I, and I think you too, have a pretty twisted sense of fun. I think it gets fun later. But in that moment, it's just it just feels wrong. It feels dropped into the middle of the movie. It might be the only part of the movie where I think that's there just to offend everyone, maybe. Yeah. It's not poorly executed. I'm not going to take away from the artistry of it, but it just kind of leaves you in a sort of rotten place where you don't feel fantastic about watching the rest of the movie. Yeah, like those, those shots of, of the of the gang of the the gang of bums like making their way to the tire pile. Yeah. Are technically amazing. Yeah. But yeah. they feel horrible and they don't feel like they're part of this movie. Yeah. It it doesn't feel right. Which is maybe what they were going for, but like they don't yeah. there's this like like we said, there's no fun there. And this movie tries really hard to be fun. Yeah. Even when it's yeah. being horrible. There's a there's a attempted rape scene in the next scene, right? The very next scene. And it has this playful tuba music over it and it it's full of like one-liners and bits and gags and that feels like like an an overplayed re- attempt at recovery from the previous scene it's yeah. like see look we are having fun don't worry you know like when you drop a terrible joke that's way too offensive for the company that you're in and then the next thing you say is like disgracefully vanilla to try and claw it back it feels like that i wonder if they're like i don't know if i'm if i'm applying a level of, of thought that they didn't give it. But I wonder if, like, the scene in the tire house happens and nobody finds it fun, obviously, mm-hmm. because it's not fun at all. And then the next scene is like, but see? See how rape can be funny if you if you play it right or whatever. Yeah, it I, could be. I wonder if that's what they're going for. Obviously, your mileage may vary, but... It is definitely a big from me in terms of pulling off that particular message yeah but like sure yeah could be i mean for me this is where the most noteworthy escalation begins obviously the escalation starts the second fred finds this woman in the alley because that's the whole lead into the horrible gang rape scene but then yeah you're transferred to the junkyard owner and his employee just straight up like yeah, sexual assault, play for laughs, basically, with some some spicy dialogue. And you think, okay, surely this, like, is plateauing. He fakes a heart attack halfway through? He fakes a heart attack. She thinks she's trapped under him. He's a very big man. She's freaking out. He comes to and, you know, plays it all off for a joke, etc., etc. Just when you think that is like, okay, this has escalated far enough. There's got to be, like, a dip in the in the action. He goes outside... And he has an enormous cum stain on his pants that his dog runs up and licks. Yeah. And that's when you think, okay, it's not over. <laughs> Carrying on. I feel like that is one of the funniest moments in the film. But because it... he calls the dog gay. <laughs> for licking his cum stained crotch. It just keeps coming as if you think, oh, God, that cum stain's gross. Oh, my God, the dog's licking. Oh, he's fucking called the dog gay for licking. His... It's horrific, dude. It just goes on and on. Oh. Uh, and then fuck, this guy straight from this scene walks out and sees the corpse of the woman who was gang raped the night before. And 
you know, what do we get? Do we get like a discovery of Laura Palmer style emotional outpouring and the cops get called and they sit up a cordon? No? No, he basically like raises his eyebrows and rubs his hands. It's like... And then he fucks the corpse. Yeah, we don't see him fuck the corpse. But you know how we know he fucks the corpse? Because he's worried that he has syphilis later on. Because <laughs> one of the fucking bums who gang raped her had syphilis. And you know how we know that? Because Bill the cop uses the phrase, there were layers of semen inside her. Yeah, and he's like, but you can't tell which one's which, right? Like, we'll it's... know because the third one from the, the end had syphilis. Yeah. So the, this constant whoa, escalation. Fucking hell. And, and again, like, you know, we think to ourselves, sure, glad we're done with that part of the movie. Nope. Bronson. We cut to Bronson, right? Yeah. And he is, what is he doing at this point? I think he's, he like crouches to do something. And a bum takes a piss through a fence oh, God, into his yeah. face. Is that he's chasing uh, Freddy for some reason? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Fred scurries off like through a hole or something, right? Yeah. Oh, and does he? Does fucking... he? He has Freddy by the lapels. And then, oh yeah, yeah. He's slamming then, him around, and then the piss comes through the vents or whatever. And Freddy, a pretty good stream of piss. Freddy makes Freddy hightails it away. You want to tell us what happens after this fucking piss scene? I think the worst scene in the movie. They cut off this dick. It's huge for one. It's a great dick. And it's like hard. Who's pissing with a hard, gigantic penis? <laughs> Whose dick like just fucking stays as big as it was when it was on your body when you chop it off? Like if anything gets bigger. Like we're led to believe dicks shrink to nothing when they're severed from the body, right? I, I, and, I've not thought too much about it. I mean, not. I've spent a lot of time worrying about having my dick cut off in a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> they cut this fucking monster hog off this bum and just begin playing piggy in the middle with it. He doesn't really react to having his dick cut off, which is hysterical to me. He doesn't seem like he's in pain. He's just like running around like, give me my dick back. I got to get in on ice. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I think that this scene is not as fun for me as I want it to be. Really? Why not? Where, what, where doesn't it hit? I don't know. It just like... It just goes on, like, way too long. So long. I mean, the, the funniest thing about it is that he can't get in a taxi, so he hitches a ride on the back of a school bus. with his, a school bus? With his, with his dick in his hand. That is such a payoff for that long game of penis-based keep away. Yeah. My, my note for this scene just says, the dick actually looks great, underlined. <laughs> it's such a fucking cracking little dick. So, like, in the scenes where it's flying through the sky, yeah, that's, like, a huge dick. That's, like, a football-sized dick that they're just, like, yeah. passing to each other. Yeah. And that's great. That just adds to the theatre of the moment. <laughs> this dick is cool. The whole time it's on screen, I'm having fun. It, again, it's, it's, it's not a fun scene, I don't think. It's just because if you put a severed dick in a movie, I'm going to laugh. But, like, it, it, it's ladled with horrible menace and scummy stuff like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a fucking like if you cut someone's dick off in an american pie movie or something it doesn't feel like that yeah it's not the scene where jim glues his hand to his dick it's something very different so for fans of uh dick jokes maybe put it on the b-reel it's it's a must see but n n no urgency 
it's so it's so funny as a vibe because it's like you're meant to be like laughing along like ha 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 he can't get his dick but like he's just got his dick chopped off like really yeah. viciously yeah like it's, with a with a fucking human thigh bone yeah right? is that what Bronson <laughs> Jesus Christ I I mean I don't know man from here I think the movie takes a slight pivot and a bit of a break we get a bit of um. We get a little bit of Fred in his shack with his brother and an attempt at some exposition and backstory that I sort of zoned out for, to be honest. And then at this point, we've waited long enough and we get a melt. Yeah, we get. Uh, what do you think of this? Is it Wizzy? Is it Wizzy next? Oh wait, no, I've skipped one. We've gone. I'm, we're at the explosion by this point. Sorry. Oh no, the explosion happens before Wizzy, doesn't it? Because okay, cool. Because Fred sees the explosion happen and then realizes that Terrify Viper becomes. Uh, makes you explode, so he weaponizes it against Wizzy. Of course, and the explosion. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts? I mean, I I think it's great. You, it's a fat guy. You make a fat guy explode. It's it's, it's fine. One on one, right? It's. I think the explosion is fucking excellent. Yeah. I think the build up is pretty good. Some notes, but the actual the slow mo, the framing, the the gore fucking perfect <laughs> fucking brilliant yeah like I really enjoy that Freddy has to hide behind the car and then the, the yeah. it's just sort of skirts over him because he's like he's in that one bit of shade that's yeah. really good I think the framing of this movie in general mm-hmm. is, is really good I feel like now I don't know if I'm being wanky film man 69 but I feel like that they always shoot the characters that are like on the edge of the frame to make you sort of feel like they're on the fringes of society, I guess. I don't know if that's a reach. No, it makes sense to me. There's a lot of that. I think I attributed it to giving as much room to the like rotten scenery as mm. possible. But you're right, that that feels feels like it fits. There's a lot of diagonal character angles that me- that was making me think like showing us these people are wonky, you know, they're off center. There's something something not straight down the line about them I, I don't think these are accidental camera placements it all looks fucking great it's yeah you know we do we do get an evil dead shot you know we get like a low fast wobbly tracking shot through the rubble yeah. these are tips of the hat to other movies they're you know they're, they're placed there for a reason and I, yeah i wouldn't say it's a reach to say that they're at least trying to say something about you know these characters in terms of their place in society yeah i mean i guess you've got to think about these things as a, as a filmmaker, even if you don't think about anything else. Yeah, I, I think they probably had a, like so much going on while they were making this movie in terms of like time constraints, location problems, difficulties with actors based on things I've read. It would amaze me if every single shot and scene is considered to, to bring you to a, a place where you're supposed to have some revelation about, you know, the nature of homelessness in New York, et cetera, et cetera, because it's not that movie. No. But... Also, just putting them there looks cool as fuck. It might just be a really simple, like, he looks best there in that scene. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But when they blow up that hobo... Yeah. <laughs> and there's that great shot of, like, the streaking gore across the sky. There's just some really nice, really well-framed... In terms of, like, the colour and, and texturally, everything looks fucking great. You could just blow him up and job done. Haha, <laughs> he blew up. But no, they, they do a really great slow-mo shot. They show Fred diving. Again, you get like reaction shots. It's it's done well. It's really well. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah, and then obviously we move into Wizzy drinking some Tenafly Viper, 
being mm-hmm. being tricked into it by by Freddy, which I think is a great scene. I like that character and that actor a lot. Yeah, he's strong in this. He's just a guy that worked at the lot. Really? Yeah. So, the, so the the lot where they filmed this belongs to Jim Muro's dad. Okay. So that's why they were able to do as much as they were with it. There's some great stuff in that lot. The pile of car stereos behind the desk mm. in some of those opening scenes. It just looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the cars that they found, they came from that lot. Like, the, they built the tower, the tire tower on there and everything. Nice. Yeah. This guy that plays Wizzy, whose name I don't know. I think he's great. I think he's so good. Yeah. He, he For me, there's just so many other bums that could have been that main character. It just annoys me a little bit that Fred gets so much of our eyeball time. But it's such a good supporting cast that, you know, they do their job so well, you sort of struggle to think, well, how would you fill their shoes if you bumped one of these guys up? Or yeah. Whatever. Well, so but again, the guy that plays Fred, uh, what's his name? Mike Lackey. He mm. wasn't supposed to play Fred. I think in, in the short that they made before the feature, obviously, uh, the guy that was meant to play Fred didn't show up because he was a junkie. Okay. So they were like, okay, who does this costume fit? There you go, Mike. You can be Fred now. Great. Lucky Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't the same thing happen with the guy that played Bronson? I read something that said Bronson hadn't even read the script. He didn't know what his place was in the movie. He was just like day to day doing reads. I think, yeah, I think he just got cast super late. So, I mean, that's pure chaos, right? You don't, you know, that's not how great movies are made. (laughs) No. (laughs) But it, it brings that element of like... Fuck it, who knows what's going to happen next, which is valuable. I think that has that has value in a movie like this. Yeah, I think that's that's how you get the feeling like this movie just sort of fell out of yeah. someone's brain. Because What do you think of... Um, oh, no, sorry, go on. No, you go on. I was going to say, what do you think about Bronson's flashbacks? Um, I really like the, the vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that one's really good. Um, I don't like it when the character who is there in present day shows up that's weird to me uh, yeah i couldn't follow that it's um wendy played by jane arakawa right he, yeah he in his flashback he rescues her from like a Viet Cong prison camp or something yeah i think it's just uh, it's just supposed to show that like he he likes her right okay but like fair enough i'm not sure it, it lands it places in my mind like is is that a genuine flashback did that really happen or is he is she creeping into his subconscious in that way? Like, I didn't know what, what was happening. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, they look great. They do look great. Shot in New Jersey. Kind of cool. Like, they pull off a lot with not much, right? Yeah, and, and you can do quite a lot with not much. You don't need to have Vic Morrow and three actors die in a helicopter accident. Like, you can... Yeah, you don't even need a fucking helicopter. Yeah, you can just have the light go in a certain way. Like... Yeah. Maybe that's again testament to the foley. The the sound mm. in those flashbacks sells it, I think. And she's fucking great as well. Before we go on, just a massive hats off to Jane Arakawa for her portrayal of uh, Wendy. I I love her. I think she's amazing. She's great. Yeah, she's the only person. If if, if you if you don't like what what Kevin or whatever his name is doing, like she yeah. she's the only sympathetic presence that actually has any real value. And she's minimized throughout the movie, which is a statement to me. I think they're saying, here's a really nice, wholesome person who wants to help out these homeless people, wants to treat them like human beings, uh, works this shit job just to get through her fucking life. 
and we're going to give you like fucking 14 seconds of her and then we're going to blow up the next fucking bum we can get our hands on. Yeah. Like, I think it's deliberate to like show her briefly and then fuck her off completely. It's mean. Ultimately, she's like, she's not really a person. She's like a medal, right? That they're dangling. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know what Bronson thinks he's going to do with her if he if he gets her because like she doesn't like him. He'll He's going to what? Rape her and kill her and then that's it. Like... That's not what you do to people that you you like, Bronson. Really? Silly, silly, <laughs> I you were talking to me. Silly bugger. <laughs> yeah, I think Bronson's, again, motivation there is kind of hazy, kind of sketchy. It seems like he's driven more insane by the fact that she's attracted to Fred's brother. Who was meant to be that, 14, by the way. 14? Meant to be 14, yeah. Fucking 4-0 more like me. I, I think he's driven insane by that and maybe he sees it as like a... Because he obviously... He sees himself as the leader of a, a people and he seems to have a code and maybe that's a violation of the code somehow. I don't know. It was murky at best, but it, it drives him to go on a rampage, right? And that's where we get the 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 lead up to and the, and the culminating fight scene yeah. slash pursue and and grand finale what are your thoughts of the rest of the movie from here on out well we sort of we sort of glossed over Wizzy's death a little bit which i think is great yeah um he's against the wall the wall has this insane mural on it yeah which is really good and they recreate like a small section of it in in a in their studio for like the uh the close-ups so clever it's just really good and like he sort of melts into the wall and mushes away and it's great puppet work it's great color work again yeah there's nothing i don't love about that scene i've got so much respect for that practical effect they really pulled off a doozy there yeah it's quite quick it doesn't linger as much as you know like a melt fiend would want it to but it feels tasteful it, yeah like <laughs> it doesn't feel tasteful tasteful length you know it's like and you're right the color work's fucking phenomenal it's some of the best melty melty times in the movie i love every second of that did you say it tastes full length <laughs> tastes full length yeah we're talking about this fucking gigantic hobo dick again like some of the melts even happen off camera like the uh yeah. the one on the uh fire escape yeah the really good performance from that bomb is sort of I don't know, you feel a bit shortchanged by the off-screen melt because the I feel like the payoff was supposed to be that he melts onto this businessman, but then we don't really see him melt properly either, so it's a real tease. Yeah, I quite like it, you know, because you get that sort of neon yellow. Like, I, I don't know how, you, how, how that would reconcile itself in, like, an actual thing, like an actual scene. I guess maybe, like, literally dripping through the through the fire escape would be that's nice. That's kind of what I wanted. And I wanted like the eyeballs not to drip through and stay up there and like just a pile of fucking teeth. But I like that they used, it looked like they used kind of like a yellow jelly yeah. to hit the pavement. I thought that was really cool because you're just thinking, fuck, where's the fucking jelly coming from? It's great. Yeah. Very cool. So when we get to the scene where Bronson is chasing Fred's brother around, has he already killed mm. the cop at this point? Uh, that's part of that whole last 15 minutes of the scene yeah. of the movie. So, like, Bill the Cop shows up. They have a huge brawl. He immediately stabs the cop in the back. Bronson immediately stabs the cop in the back. Yeah. It's all downhill for the cop from there, isn't it? Like, you're never going to 
really get the upper hand after you've been stabbed directly in the spine. Yeah, he appears to be unarmed and significantly outnumbered. Yeah. In a junkyard full of mad gang-raping hobos. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... He's in a pickle. He is in a pickle. He, gets... he doesn't even have a fucking radio. This guy just walks around in jeans and a fucking shirt for the whole movie. Do you see their crime lab? Holy fuck. It's like a middle school biology classroom. It was fucking terrible. There was some good eating in the uh, in the in the morgue in this My one. fave a mortician eating in a morgue is one of my fave tropes, yeah. But f- Jesus Christ, it looked like kids were about to come in for detention any minute. It was a bad scene in there. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the same office that they use for the store cupboard in the Liquor, liquor, uh, liquor shop. And, yeah, that tracks. And like basically everything else that they always use for an office. I think it's all the yeah. same room, and they just like redress them. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. But yeah, that 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 morgue scene is weird because it's like, hey, I've dressed this corpse up. I've taxidermied this burnt corpse. Yeah. Very, it's so dumb. Very it, But it, I, I, again, like, I actually found that quite fun. You know I love any morgue scene. You can't fuck up a morgue scene as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They did they did well with what they had, I think, in that one. Yeah, so back to the Bronson cop fight. Like, the cop gets in some good jabs, mm-hmm. but he's never going to win, and he doesn't win. He's ultimately overpowered by big bad Bronson. Uh, yeah, and then when he dies, like, like we say, you're just like... What the fuck? The deluge of the mafia is now going to descend upon the junkyard. It doesn't. No, for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I think for a low-budget film, this film has so many characters doing yeah. so many things that yep. have, and a lot of them have nothing to do with melting. No, they're they're introducing characters like an hour and fifteen into this movie, and it's so unnecessary. Like, just just blow up and melt the bums, and let us have a good time. But yeah, they keep bringing in these weird little sub narratives that don't really go anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. And there's just no real reason for it. But maybe they just had lots of people who wanted to be in the movie, so they just fucking gave them roles. Yeah, it's like maybe. the opposite problem to what you normally have on an indie. Well, so the guy that plays. Um... Nicky Duran. Yeah. He's like he's like an actual lounge singer. Really? Uh, yeah, he was like so he was I think he's Jim Muro's nephew or something. Okay. Uh wait, no, the other way around. Jim Muro's uncle. Right. And Jim Muro's dad called him and was like, You have to be in this movie. You owe me a favour, you... like you have to do it. Jesus, you owe uh, me a favour. <laughs> Brilliant. And so he was like performing two two shows a, a day at Atlantic City or whatever and had to like okay. basically like cancel his his contract in Vegas or Atlantic City or wherever it was to wow. go and be in fucking street trash and he sings the song at the end the the my way knockoff okay pretty good over the credits yeah you got to give him credit there i mean yeah if you have the time to go to the imdb and just scroll through the cast it's fucking way too long it's so huge i mean we do get some great credits in this movie we get exploding derelict which i think is a great credit Viet Cong vampire is a great credit these are all band names that i'm logging for later (laughs) yes Viet Cong vampire come on now (laughs) Viet Cong vampire is a great album title 
the two right next to each other that I think are absolutely superb is Horin Van and Receptive Horin Van. <laughs> yeah. So good. A lot of good credits. Yeah. So in the scene or in the section where we're just sort of adding sub characters for no good reason. Yeah. We add one of my favourite sub characters who has no business being in this film, but I love him anyway. Right. Which is James Lorenz as the uh, as the doorman. Sure. I just, I, I love that guy. Yeah, again, like, why are you giving this guy, like, 50 lines of dialogue so, 10 minutes from the end and a post-credit <laughs> sequence? What the fuck is going on? He's a doorman. <laughs> so in the script, he had one line. Right, and which, they just get rolling. Yeah, and, like, basically his... His, uh, like, shtick with the guy that plays Nicky Duran was so yeah. was so good. They just, like, kept it in. They added more and more. They just kept shooting. And it worked out really well. He's a... Uh, have you seen Frankenhooker? Oh, donkeys years ago. And I don't think I was paying a lot of attention. It was on at a party. It was one of those things. So, well, he's, he's your main guy in Frankenhooker. I thought he looked slightly familiar. He's good looking. He's very, like... Uh, he's very charismatic, very like easy to watch on screen. Yeah, I feel like he 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 talks like a cartoon rat. <laughs> he does. He's got that like tight lipped kind of like stiff but confident thing going on. Yeah, he's cool, but fucking hell, if you're gonna have him in the movie, bring him in earlier and give him some like some kind of interaction with the characters in this. Like he's he's bizarre. He's got like a little bottle episode towards the end of the movie and a post credit sequence. What are you doing? Stop bringing these people in and just blow up more bums. But like he's he he lets Fred take home Nikki's girl. Yeah, but you can't like characterize the importance of a brand new character in a movie by them just letting something that was going to happen happen anyway. <laughs> like it's it's fun that he he does have some pretty zippy little bits of dialogue and he does tee up a sequel at the end <laughs> he also eats a banana and then immediately yeah. eats some chicken yeah pretty strange <laughs> I, I don't know man I, 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 I like that. him but Jesus bring him in sooner yeah sure give me more when Bronson kills the cop he says dead maggot shit yeah what does that mean I don't know and nothing <laughs> Bronson says makes sense or is cool there's way better lines in this movie dead maggot shit I think he just said three gross words. <laughs> My favourite thing that he says that makes no sense is when they cut away to a plane and he says, air support. <laughs> That's great. See, I like that. That is at least like unhinged Nam vet type stuff. I mean, the dialogue in this movie, I'm, I'm going to say, does exactly what the rest of the movie does. It lulls you into thinking it's really clever, and then it fucks it up completely with some total garbage. But there are some really zippy one-liners. I'm not going to like sit here and quote them all, but I wrote down a ton of them because they're, they're so good. It, it is worth like maybe sitting close to the speakers for this movie because a lot of it's mumbled and delivered quite poorly, but there is top-quality dialogue in here, you know, buried throughout the movie. Yeah, I, but, I think my favourite little sort of throwaway bit of dialogue is yeah. in the scene when the guy gets the melt goo on his face and they run yeah. to the cop and, and they won't help him. The cop's busy because obviously someone's just died. Yeah. And that woman's like, why wouldn't you help him? Is it because he's male? <laughs> so absurd. 
total fucking lunacy. I think like if yeah, that was written like that, if that was written now, maybe that would make some sense in a. It would land now, yeah, exactly. It makes no fucking sense in the late eighties. What are you talking about? It's stuff like that that keeps the keeps keeps my interest. Like I didn't get bored because of stuff like that. Like in that long shoplifting scene, if the dialogue wasn't as good as it is, I would have checked out a little bit for that. I think, but they just keep you in there with some some sparkly bits of dialogue. It's yeah. Kind of cool. You were just waiting to see the manager's lily white Haitian ass or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was waiting for that payoff exactly. The exit from that scene is the is the payoff. You know, bag on your head, walk through the glass. It's so sick. So much good stuff in there. Yeah, I really enjoyed the way this movie didn't shy away from mini movies inside the movie. You know, like this whole new gangster guy and his shtick, the whole shoplifting scene. To a certain extent, I think the gang rape is an attempt at that. doesn't land anywhere near as well as the funny stuff. But it's not afraid to just kind of plot these little mini-games in the movie for you to kind of just enjoy for enjoyment's sake and yeah. then just hard pivot to someone melting. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so too. Have you got anything else that you want to say before we take a break and come back and wrap this up? I really want to talk about the final death, but we should do that after a little break, right? Yeah, Let's keep them hanging on, Sam. Hang with us, guys. Come on, man. Does that thing even work? No. There's nothing out there. It's just dead air. And we're back. We're so back. Sam, before we talk about the final death in this movie, why don't you tell the good people how they can support the podcast? There are so many ways that you can get behind this crazy train and what well, poor choice of words given the movie. that we- <laughs> oh, God. There are a lot of ways that you can support this podcast. <laughs> Number one, follow us on Instagram at FT Horror Show. So much good content. So many silly goose fun times over there on the Instagram. We're a force for good in a terrible place. Uh, you can subscribe to the Patreon if you would like to. For a very small amount of money, you can experience an enormous quantity of additional content uh, ranging from articles written by me and Jamie, eventually some creative writing by me and Jamie. Uh, There's a lot of extra episodes, including uh, us talking about creep show episodes one at a time until uh, probably the end of recorded history. I mean, there's so many of those. We do other movies, we do spin-offs, we do all kinds of stuff in the Patreon. And we're a little bit more loosey-goosey over there on the Patreon, right, Jamie? Yeah, I would... I think we've discussed it previously. Is it's kind of like the after party. It's kind of like yeah. this is the this is the main event. But coming over to the Patreon, you, you're hanging out with us backstage, right? Which is what all anyone really wants is to hang out with me and Sam in a tiny room with some hummus. <laughs> Somebody said to me the other day, "When we come to your gig in December." can we have backstage passes? And I just pissed myself laughing. I was like, there's no fucking backstage. We just sit in my car for 20 minutes before I play. So come shiver in the car park with us on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> you can also tell your friends, uh, you know, spreading uh, the word that this exists really helps because the algorithm doesn't. So be a, be a bud, be a human and get out of there and shout about it. Uh, what else, Jamie? What have I missed? Uh, one more thing that you can do is that you can... Open up whatever you're listening to this on right now and just pop a little five stars on there. Maybe write a little review. I didn't like Street Trash, but I liked this podcast. I'm not going to say what was falling out of my mouth then. 
Just do it. Just write a review. Come on. It's not hard. Just fucking tell us how you feel. Maybe, if you're lucky. Uh, no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say either. <laughs> Just do it. Just write a little review. You, should, you could have done it by now. Come on, man. Get your thumbs out. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So now, Sam, let's talk about Bronson's death. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, it is really good. I think it's, it's fucking great. It's... Uh, it's teed up really well. There's a, there's a whole build up to this, but basically, Fred's brother, who is so forgettable, I can't even remember his name. He collapses into a pile of uh, generic gas canisters that are comically huge. Yeah, they're they're probably real gas canisters, right? And he aims one at Bronson as he's leering over Wendy about to do something despicable, and does the classic like taps the end off, and it fires like a rocket and just destroys his entire like main mast from his belly button basically like i don't know how to describe it even like he loses his head vast majority of his shoulders his chest all the way down to his abdomen stays standing which is awesome yeah and the gore is just like blasted out of his back all over the junkyard we get a great head hitting the concrete and rolling away scene it's fucking beautiful i love that scene i do too i'm sort of a bit disappointed that his head survives but the head has like a great expression on its face and it blinks and it does a thing. Yeah. I think that makes up for it. I think it's paid off by Wendy jumps over it and the last thing that Bronson sees Dude. is 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 up in oh up her God. skirt. Oh my God. <laughs> I, rem- I when it happened, I think I was so overwhelmed with the audacity of what I was seeing that I fucking blanked out of my memory. His severed head is laying on the floor. Oh, <laughs> skips over it and he fucking stares up on his skirt his severed head oh it's amazing i sort of pictured you like standing up and saluting at that moment i think i might have like tried to applaud but like missed my hands i was in a fucking ecstasy at that moment i was losing my shit it was so perfect did you have so a big my sense of humor did you have a big cummy stain on the front of your jeans and the cat came yeah and the dog off. was there <laughs> this movie's like a blink 182 song but with like none of the fun <laughs> it's uh that scene was and to drop that at the very end of a movie is so unorthodox yeah normally you don't do something that stupid in the big grand finale of a movie like this which isn't pitched or billed as as a comedy horror movie is it really i think it is is, yeah but it's not like scary movie it's not a spoof it's not like but that is and but again like do you know what really fucking gets me that is shot so well (laughs) it's so beautifully shot it's like the severed head reminds me of like bishop's severed head in alien Mm. and the the leaping over is in beautiful slow-mo a great angle it's just magic it might be one of my favorite scenes of its type that i've ever seen wow the best horror movie upskirt (laughs) i've ever seen it's funny isn't it because this movie is bookended by like lowest common denominator garbage and also is filled with that too but like yeah it starts with a guy getting fart, a fart in his face and it mm-hmm. ends with a severed head peeking up the skirt of a young chinese girl like yeah okay i mean i love that obviously yeah 
I mean, I, I love the escalation. I think the whole movie is an escalation to that moment, to be honest. Like, yeah. All of my notes are just getting bigger and bigger and in more caps and with more underlining and more exclamation marks. And that just tells me everything I need to know about the, the pacing of this movie. And I stopped writing at that point. I was just like, fuck, I can't write and, and applaud at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't write. I've got my hand on my heart. I am saluting yep. Bronson's death. But it also works because we want him to die. This is the thing, right? I hate being shortchanged with a big bad's death. Yeah. I love it when they die in a way that is wholly appropriate. I'm going to bring it back, dude. It, your lifestyle determines your death style. And they nail it with Bronson here. Yeah. You've not said that for at least two episodes. So. I've not said it for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's important that you send a guy like him off in spectacular fashion. And for a movie that has delivered so hard on the practical effects and has done itself, almost done itself out of a job by the end of the movie in terms of how we're destroying people, to to really send it home in that way, I had to fucking lift my hat. Uh, just a superb ending to a pretty fucking crazy movie. Yeah. Do you think the post credit scene or the or the, the the scene that happens over the credits or whatever. Yeah. Do you think that cheapens it? I think it's utterly pointless. Uh I don't think it che- the only pulled punch is that you don't see the mafia guy melt, but then you do see a lot of the dialogue and some good physical acting from the fucking the Goomba squad. So I would say no. It's just cheeky. It's yeah. a cheeky little move at the end of the movie. You don't expect it. I think it's dumb. Because for the for one reason and one reason only, so the doorman is there, and he's mm. in handcuffs, and they're like, oh, blah 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 stuff, and then they're like, hey, you've got a bottle here. You're drinking on the job. You, you guys, you didn't search him. The bottle is just like cradled in his arms because yeah. he's. There was obviously an afterthought. They were just like because he's cuffed. Yeah, <laughs> they were just like, oh, let's do a funny scene where. This, we haven't got an effect for it. It's all right, just do it off camera. Make some yeah. gurgle noises. like Yeah, just lay on the floor and gurgle. Like, they literally just had an idea. And they were like, yeah. okay, let's do that. And that's the end of the movie now. Yeah, I think, I think it's a test. If you're still picking apart the logic of this movie by the <laughs> credits, you're not looking at the right shit. Because the fucking doorman, who is just this, like, comic foil... Steps forward like he's the new mafia boss. Well, he's saying like, I'm, oh, I'm going to run this shit now. I'm the Don the now. Two guys next to you are like lifers in the mafia. They've ground up from nothing. And you're the fucking doorman. And you're just stepping forward like, oh, it's my town now. Like, that's the thing. If you're still picking shit like that apart, like I was in the credits, you haven't been watching the right shit. If you just let it fucking happen, then it's a fucking good time. Yeah, that is. I mean, I just... Dumb as a shoe. Makes no sense. I just... I'm always happy for more James Lawrence, so... Yeah, there's no reason to cut that out. Like, you know, everything else you've kept in this movie, that's not the thing you should cut. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fine. Keeps people in their seats. You know, I, I I don't have this vitriol for post-credit scenes and inventive things happening in the credits in movies like a lot of people do today. I think people get way too jaded too quickly about stuff like that. And, you know, to see something like this, uh, which was relatively novel for the time i would imagine it just feels like here's some it's almost like bloopers here's some fucking b-real stuff while you're you know eating the last of your popcorn the fuck out is there a a post-credit scene in the farmer 
Yes, of course there is. There's a, a pre, during, and post credit scene in The Farmer. Yeah, okay. I've already named the sequel, by the way. Go on. So there's going to be something that happens in The Farmer. Is it? Is it The Farmer 2, colon, table? Farmer 2, table? Farm 2, table? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so much better. Okay, I've named the third one <laughs> in the trilogy. The third, so there's something that happens in the second where the water supply ends up being drugged by an overturned truck full of uh, like pills that melt into the water supply. So number three, the farmer becomes uh, he gets like gigantified by the drugs in the water system. And it's big farmer. Big farmer. <laughs> yes. Pretty good. Pretty good. We're doing a Kevin Smith right now, aren't we? This yeah. is going to be over the credits of some fucking garbage horror movie in five years' time. Are you are you calling Tusk garbage? No, Tusk rips. Tusk. Uh, yoga hoses, unforgivably bad. Tusk rips. And if you, if you want to know the origin of this farmer stuff, then you need to listen to our recent Patreon episode about things that scared us as kids. Yeah, you got to join the Patreon to unriddle this little mystery, Scooby-Doo style. And there's going to be more from the farmer down the road in the Patreon. So, uh, I don't know. Treat yourself. It's Christmas. Is it? I don't know. Who cares? It's it's December. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Sam, give us your, your final thoughts and score this... Uh... This rad boy. I'm going to... Uh, so my final thoughts. This was uh, challenging in all the right ways, fun in all the wrong ways, and spectacular to look at. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the movie. I probably would revisit it, in fairness. Definitely one that you want to show your friends for very niche reasons. But I'm going to give it 10 sloppy splats of jelly-like goo on the New York sidewalk out of 13. I think it's, it's pretty fucking cool. I, I completely agree. Like I said at the at the jump, like this is basically everything that I want from a movie. Like mm-hmm. it low budget, high energy, looks great, big ideas, horrible gore, people that kinda know what they're doing, but not not so much that it gets in the way. Yep. Like there's still room for like exploration and doing stuff you know in a way that a professional filmmaker would never do because it's fucking stupid to do it that way. There's that one Absolutely. there's that one shot where the camera like 360s like over yep. it's fucking insane like who would a do vertical that vertical 360 when the guy's about to the liquor store owner's about to melt yeah superb it's fucking incredible like yeah and we've seen that in other movies but to place it there and then and then have the crawling away with the drone it's all just uh, constructed really well yeah so i mean it's totally it's all over the place it doesn't have any real internal logic there's no there's no consistency of performances or anything like that but that all adds to this sort of batshit weird should i be watching this yeah i should it's fucking hilarious oh should i be watching this bit (laughs) maybe not uh okay it's funny again it's fine it gets maximum maximum splats from me like 15 out of 15 licks from me maximum splats well, I, I knew from the second I started watching it that you were going to absolutely love it. And and that that helps my enjoyment of it, knowing that somebody else who I love loves it. So a wholly rewarding experience, despite, like you said, a lot of a lot of fuck ups. Um, but ain't that life? Yeah, I don't think it's, it's just sort of magic that you can make 
something great wrong and like it's still it'd still be great yeah and you can forgive the naivety of some of it you can forgive the cynicism of some of it you can forgive the lack of thought and context and and the ham-fisted nature of some of it because ultimately i respect the craft here i think there's lots of things being done really well and ultimately it's fucking entertainment people chill out yeah like they're not trying to say anything or if they if they are they've garbled it yeah, and if anything, I think they're not trying to say anything and they do a great job of saying nothing with yeah. this movie. It's not sending you home with anything, really, apart from a big smile on your face if you're lucky. Yeah, I think the, the worst the worst thing that this film could have done is do like a Jerry's final thoughts at the end and be like, we've, we've had a lot of laughs at homeless people today, but... Oh, God, yeah. I respect that they didn't do that, yeah. definitely. Yeah, nobody's watching this... Oh, I don't know, maybe. I can't speak for anyone, but nobody's watching this thinking they're going to get, you know, some kind of late 80s treaties on, you know, the injustice of displaced people, veterans, the mentally ill, uh, people experiencing houselessness, etc. Nobody is watching this movie thinking that. They're watching it because they want to watch a bum explode. Yeah, if you, if you do want to watch that movie, what would what would you recommend for... What's a, what's a good... Fuck, good like, question. Like, I want to say suburbia, but it's a bit... It's a bit more like that's middle class squatters rather than like actual unhoused people. Mm. Uh, what was the what was the documentary about all the people that lived in the living in the yeah in the subways and the sewers? Yeah, I was going to say that, but I can't remember what it's called. Is it called the dark or something like that? Something like that. The the tunnel. The, the something. I don't know. Maybe it hasn't been done particularly well. It's an incredibly challenging, nuanced subject that far more intelligent people need need to deal with than the production crew of the movie Street Trash. <laughs> I, I've got it, I've got it. Uh, it's Steve Buscemi's character in uh, Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, what a great movie. Well, shit me, Jamie, that's Street Trash. That is Street Trash. We... You want to say goodnight to the people? Goodnight, people. Stay off the Tenafly Viper. Or don't. You can avoid it. Pay more than one dollar for your fortified wine. What's the least amount? What's the lowest you've ever paid for booze? Do you think? Uh, I mean, does shoplifting count? Because sure. um, <laughs> free is free, right? I, I, yeah. I mean, we used to drink a lot back in the day when we first met, uh, like in those early days of us knowing each other when I lived with. Adam, but we would drink a lot, a lot of terrible cider. You drank a lot of box wine, if I remember as well. Yeah, a lot of box wine. We'd put yeah. we'd put a sports cap on our two liter bottles of cider. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, good. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I once played a show in Vegas at a place called the Beauty Bar, which is no longer there, on Nickel Beer Night. Nice. So it was fucking carnage. The place got torn to shreds. A nickel for a beer. Oof. It was rough. Is it nickel is 10 cents? Yeah, I think so. That is... <laughs> Made me fucking think about it for a second there. Yeah. Uh, for a, like a, a large, not not a pint, but like an American plastic cup of beer. I remember on St. David's Day, uh, when I was, I don't know, 16, there was a pub that was doing one pound pints of terrible ale. 
And, yeah. we, and we drank, I don't know, seven of them because I had seven pounds. Yeah. And that's too many pints if you're 16. Pound a pint is, I mean, asking for trouble. We used to go to a pub that was pound a pint all the time and it never ended well. It, one time it ended in me, this can't go in the podcast, P.S. Uh, I f- <laughs> ran away. Nice. Out of a window, just like, and then legged it out the back. So that was it. We're done, right? Yep. That was great. That was street trash. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. I had a blast. What about you, Jamie? I had a great time. If you've got opinions, let me know. Um, Just, uh, yeah, let me know. I feel like, should we share the email address so people can email us if, if they have things they want to tell us? Yeah, sure. You better share it because I don't even know it. <laughs> so you can email us if you've got an opinion that you want to share. Maybe we'll read it to ourselves and... and Snigger, I don't know. Maybe we'll do, if we get enough, maybe we'll do a mailbag episode at some point. In the oh, I love a good mailbag episode. Yeah, email us. We'll yeah. make it worth your while. Yeah, so email us at finaltransmissionpod at gmail.com. Yep, email us. We will do something with them. Yeah. And with you. We will. Yeah, I can't think of anything funny. It's 9.30. Fucking hell, lad. That was long. Yeah. Sleep well, buds. Bye, pals.